0: Welcome back to the Red Letter Disciple, everybody. We're excited to be here today. I'll be joined in a moment by my co-host, pastor and friend, Chris Johnson. And we are excited in this podcast to challenge you to be a greater disciple of Jesus wherever you might be. Really excited about today's episode. It's featuring Joshua Brown. Joshua is an incredible man. that has got a really awesome story. He was a high school dropout and a druggie that somehow met Jesus, or Jesus met him, and and then entered into ministry right away, and after 20-plus years of ministry, left ministry, and ironically feels like now he's pursuing the call of God on his life more than anything else, and he's doing it, of all things, by running a pressure washing business. In fact, he's making disciples and known as the pressure washing pastor in that community. So we're going to hear his story, and I really think Joshua is going to challenge the framework that many of us might be thinking about when it comes to Jesus and business, and how separate or are they separated or are they not meant to be? It's a really great discussion. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by Red Letter Living. We create resources that help challenge everybody to be a greater disciple of Jesus. But if you're gonna truly get down to it, my, my heart is, I love helping. We love helping pastors and church leaders. And so it's in that vein that I wanna invite you to be a part of our private facebook group called red letter leaders imagine a private group that would encourage one another share resources and best practices and genuinely care and love for one another. It may sound too be good to be true, but that's what this group is all about. It's also where we're having the most personal discussions on discipleship in the church. And so get in and invite your other pastor friends and church leader friends to join. We're gonna put the, the link to join in the show notes today at redletterpodcast.com. It's also, that group is the central place for pastors and leaders to stay updated on all things red letter. And your support really does mean the world to us and allows us to keep doing more and more and more things to hopefully not just help in everyday individuals, but hopefully help you as a pastor in a church, in your church with discipleship. So with all that said, if you love Red Letter Disciple, would you also, we would love it. We would truly be honored if you'd give us a five-star rating and a review on whatever your favorite platform is. And while you're there, might as well take the extra second to, to hit subscribe or follow. That way every episode comes to you. But for today we got a great one coming so let's get on with our episode with joshua brown let's do this today's episode is unique because we're talking about a unique guy yeah his name's joshua brown and he is known as chris the pressure washing pastor
1: i have never heard uh, i mean i've heard of by vocation <laughs> right and usually it's like I'm an Uber driver. I'm a pastor. <laughs> I'm a, I own a coffee shop. I'm a pastor, but never this combination.
0: So it's gonna be fun. Joshua has an incredible story of growing up on the streets of Nashville living a life drifting far away from the Lord, but then radically saved and transformed by the love of God. So we're gonna get into his story. Mm. And then in 2016, Joshua launched a pressure washing company, and has used this business. This is what I'm really intrigued by. He's used this business to actually make disciples serve Mm. his city. And now he's helping faith leaders learn how to plant businesses. And we talk a lot about church plants in our world. He's doing business plants, which I think is just that's amazing. So I'm really intrigued by this conversation today. So welcome Joshua Brown to the Red Letter Disciple. How are we doing today?
2: Hey, super excited to be here. Thank you for having me on your, your show today. It's my goal to honor you guys and the story that God has done inside of my life that it might be able to benefit those that are listening to us today. So I'm excited.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Hold time out. Time out. Time out. Look at you. You got the sky behind you. Mm. You're under an umbrella. Where are you located at, Joshua?
2: (laughs) All right. So I live in Nashville, Tennessee, but I married a gal from the beautiful coast of North Carolina. Oh. And so we're on a family vacation. We got a little bit of wind in the background, but we're at what's called Moorhead City. And yesterday I caught a shark and a bunch of tuna and flew down the best sushi you've ever eaten in your life. With,
1: wow. uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. How far um, out did you go to get the tuna? I'm a huge fisherman. so sorry, sorry.
2: Probably about, probably about uh, a mile offshore, but I had a Captain Mike uh, Taylor who we charted his boat and we did a little Gilligan's Island. And the next thing I know, he's throwing stuff over. We, it was an incredible time. Schools of fish catching bait, throwing it in.
1: You only went a mile offshore. What'd you catch? Blackfin?
2: No, these were it starts with a B. It's the best type of tuna that you can eat. Is it? Yeah, bonita.
1: Yeah, bonita. Yeah, bonita.
2: Dude, we caught 14 to 18 of those things, came home, filleted them, and then had the best wasabi and soy sauce and just dipped it and threw it down. That's amazing
1: wow
0: Chris is super jealous i am he went went deep sea fishing last week and didn't catch anything
1: well that's not exactly i mean we didn't have that kind of luck i'll say that we yeah
2: i know a guy i know a guy here man no kidding the guy guy that chartered us he has won more prize money than anybody on the east coast over four million dollars and prize money and this dude knew what he was doing so if anybody needs uh, someone your moorhead city i'm going to go ahead and throw out captain mike taylor so check that out if that's you amazing. want to catch yeah he's
1: cool i still can't believe you usually like in florida i'm from florida you usually got to go like way out there even though we're ocean you know by the ocean you gotta you gotta get out to the deep water to get those tuna that's incredible
2: no, they were traveling. They're migrating to New York and they ah. just hanging out a little bit longer. Uh, mm. They're usually gone by the second week, and here it is the third week, and they're still hanging out.
1: So they're probably trying to catch a musical or something up there in Manhattan. I get it.
0: So what's yeah. similar fishing for fish versus fishing for men? That's what I want to know.
1: <laughs> They're both
0: frustrating.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's
1: awesome.
0: All right, man, Joshua, I'd love to, uh, I want to get into what you're doing today, obviously, because I'm really intrigued as a pastor who's also an entrepreneur and runs uh, a business. Uh, that, 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 it really intrigues me, but first you mentioned that God really came into your life in a big way when you were growing up on the streets of Nashville. So walk me all the way back there. Tell me what was going on and what, what happened in your story.
2: Yeah, thank you for letting me unpack my testimony. I think it's the most powerful thing that might drive our behavior is uh, understanding God's story of redemption inside of our own lives and then trying to figure out what that looks like. And so a five-minute snapshot, it's going to be super quick, okay? My mm-hmm. mom was adopted from Kalamazoo, Michigan, into a house uh, behind Hooters. And y'all have never eaten at Hooters, I'm sure, and and the Waffle House. And, <laughs> and some people have a good adoption story. Hers was not so good. By the time she was 13, her dad would go to prison for some of the things that he was doing to her, mm-hmm. and her mom was addicted to alcohol and paid medication. Is it okay to not just be silly but to be real on the show? Yeah, yeah, please. 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 Yeah. That's
1: what we're looking for.
2: And so my mom uh, at, at 13 was what you would call an unstable home situation. By the time she was 15, she got pregnant with me from a dude that was 21 who played baseball and said, baby, I can't get nobody pregnant. Uh-huh. And uh, voila, I showed up. And when my dad found out that my mom was pregnant, he said, um, I'll pay for his abortion, but I won't be in his life. Uh-huh. And and true to his words, he, he chose not to be
3: uh-huh. in
2: our life. And uh, mom chose to give me life. She said she never had never knew if she had the capacity to love anything because she had never really experienced love. This is me asking her like the last couple of years, what made her say yes to giving me life. She said, if, if I could love anything, I was gonna love you. So from there, we ended up uh, growing up homeless so on the streets of Nashville and moving around from projects, soup kitchen, church fellowship hall. Mom, you know, shacked up with some different dudes. And got married a few times, Alabama, Kentucky. And uh, by the time I'm 17, I'm a drug dealer, uh, pothead high school dropout, Winston-Salem, North Carolina.
3: Mm-hmm. That's
2: where, and that's where I met my beautiful wife and why I'm here today. But um, while there uh, at 17, I started just living a life that wasn't very uh, God-glorifying. I got in a massive car wreck. And God started speaking to me through a Tupac Shakur song. "Is there a heaven for a G? Yeah
1: What and, was it? What uh, was it?
2: Is there a heaven for a G? And it was basically, after I got in that wreck, I'd still smoke weed and I'd listen to music, but in the back of my heart, I knew I was wasting my life. and I knew enough theology, living inside churches and then you know churches supporting and loving us in youth group, children's ministry. I knew the way I was living wasn't God glorified and uh, ended up showing up in the last night of a revival service and and as i'm there i didn't hear god say i heard god speak to me but he didn't say joshua going to hell he didn't say you're a loser or a sinner you know what he said he said joshua i love you yeah that's the message that we're supposed to be believing and moving into and i believed it and that was when i was 19 years old Responded. I giving the pastor my pot and giving God my heart. Went back to school, got a GED, pastoral ministry degree in Christian counseling, and so for the past twenty five years now, I've been trying to answer this one question: How can I live my life in light of making a difference with the life that God has given me? And for me, it's to finish this life as a godly man, husband, and father. That's my purpose and why. It's what I've written down it when I do these life planning books or vision maps is so I just want to finish it where the people are around my casket saying this guy is a godly man, a godly husband, and a godly father. And for me, that's all that matters. Mm. And so that's a little bit of the passion that fuels this conversation and uh, maybe what I'm doing or who I am today. So I appreciate you letting me unpack that with you today.
0: Man, what a, what a cool story. I, I love what you said in the beginning of that because you obviously have a very powerful one. I think everybody does but it's our testimony that that drives us in this world and, and helping people discover their testimony. So what would you say to that? Like how, how can people best share their testimony? What 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 kind of things do you look for in a testimony or when someone's trying to share their story that can be helpful for others?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think sharing it helps us share our testimony. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever you do, uh, repetitively, you end up becoming an expert in. And so it doesn't matter if it's banging your head against the wall or throwing something as far as you can, the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. And so I have learned how to share my story by sharing my story. And so if you're on, if you're listening or watching, my encouragement is to start speaking it out loud, put it on paper, and it starts with like who you were and what you've done and how God has redeemed it or restored it. And there really is a story inside of every one of our lives. If we're willing to be transparent, honest, authentic, don't hide nothing. Um, My personality is 1000%. What you see is what you get. And so I would encourage anybody that's listening or online uh, that's watching to to start sharing it. You know, start telling or, you know, put it on paper of your, your past, your present, your future. So that's my start sharing it. And the more you tell it the more you're going to be able to, to, to put it into every conversation. Because yeah. in my mind, it's the thing that God has given us that's more powerful than, than head knowledge is an experiential knowledge. And you guys have heard there's two ways of learning. Uh, and I'll just unpack it real quick. You can either learn um, by reading a book that fire is hot or you, <laughs> can, get, or you can get close to it. And I'm the type of person that I need to get close to it in order to experience it. And our our story is so powerful when we start experiencing it and talking about it and and you know being transparent, not just quiet about it, or reserved. Man, we're not called to be quiet. We're called to yeah. promote the gospel. You know, He died for us. So we can live for Him. Let's go. You know.
0: Yeah. So yeah, you're a 17 year old listening to Tupac, and somehow God finds you in the middle of that. Right. You then change your life, give your life over to God, and walk me through then, because so obviously I want to get to the pressure washing pastor, but I feel like there's something in the middle there. Yeah. Uh, what What was that like then? To all of a sudden go from a life selling drugs and living in you know in and out of tough environments to now. In ministry
1: well and the follow-up to that like i have to imagine you were drinking smoking i mean you were doing all kinds of stuff does it just like stop immediately one day or is it like talk about that too
2: yeah it depends on your theological background as far as whether or not it's instantaneous or if it's uh sure. Sure. progressional and i've been trained on reformed and yeah arminian and so i'm familiar with both but for me Um, When Jesus died, he sent the Holy Spirit down. And so this thing called the Holy Spirit is not just for us, the church, but it's for everybody. And so if he died for us while we were yet sinners and then he sends his Holy Spirit down, what makes us think that he can't speak to someone that is far from him? That's a drug dealer, high school dropout, loser of a lifestyle, selfish and everything that, that I was living for. And so, when the Holy Spirit speaks, you know it's our job to repent and to listen. And and so, for me, uh, the way that happened was through through time. Um, I had four tens, four mids, tweets, amps. Had a Honda Prelude and a Jeep Cherokee. I thought it was cool, you know. And (laughs) and uh, some of it was fast, and some of it took time, but the Lord ultimately had to move me out of Winston into Greensboro to a new location Mm. because the people that I was around all the time were too influential
3: Mm. inside
2: of my character. Um, And, and when we talk like this, if you have listeners that are are listening, I don't think anything is transcriptive where we write down and say, it's only one way to do something. Man, God works in a thousand different ways and places. And so for me, um it was it took time to break away from weed it took time to stop having sex until i got married it took time <laughs> yeah. uh, to 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 be the person that uh, that hopefully honors god in the way that we live and, and talk and think so it took time
0: yeah so what's ministry like then for you when you say god i'm yours uh what what does that next season look like
2: yeah are we talking about like at the beginning when i was 19 yeah what yeah. it looked like then yeah. So from there, this would be maybe how we're engaging the conversation today is when I gave my life to Jesus, I went to the pastor and I said, hey, I want to know what it looks like to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. And I didn't have the verbiage disciple, but I know that's what I was looking for. And the next thing I know, they hooked me up with this dude named Charles Spurgeon. And, and, and he had like books that were like like this thick. And I'm dyslexic. Dropping, oh wow! <laughs> and I've got books. And then like I'm like, hey, is there another way that we can do this? And they send me to Bible college. And I'm not, <laughs> That's even harder. There's any, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Bible college because like it made me who I am today, and I've got theological trained. But what I needed was some dude to walk beside me. And show me what it looks like to be faithful. Show me what it looks like to stop being a liar. Show me what it looks like to budget and make finances and and say no to the flesh. I need someone to just walk alongside of me. I did not need, me looking back, I did not need to go to college. But the church at that time didn't have anything to do with me or, or know what to do with people who radically got saved but to make them either pastors or missionaries yeah. and so i ended up becoming a pastor and which is why we're in this conversation today
0: yeah interesting so maybe yeah and, and and honestly i think that's such an important question that you had you're new in faith and you're like what do i do you didn't have the language but to be a disciple of jesus and that's like where we fail so many times as pastors and we don't have a solid answer and and that that's to me like where even red letter challenge red letter living began was trying to help a real person in my congregation that was like i've been i just was baptized but i, I don't feel any different like i feel like i should be doing what, how do i do this <laughs> and you know the the seminary answer for me was you don't need to do anything you're saved by grace and it's yeah theologically correct that's it's lazy when it comes to like helping people see there are things that we can do to follow christ things he calls us to uh that don't always require going off to seminary or a Bible college. I
1: think a lot of pastors do that, you know, like somebody's on fire for the Lord and they're like, what do I do next? Well, go learn more, you know, and you talked about it, Joshua, that for you and I resonate with that completely. Like um, I'm not going to watch a YouTube video on how to catch a tarpon. I'm going to go do it. Like I'm going to, I need to, I might need to learn how to tie the, the, you know, the, the knot for the hook, but like, ultimately it's my own experience that drives me. And I think that from what I'm hearing from you is that you yearned for that, like, um, you know, the, the discipleship where somebody said, walk with me like Jesus did, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't need necessarily a program. I needed a person. Yeah. Uh, I needed somebody to love me. And and someone wow. to invite me into their home, maybe cook meals, maybe yeah. talk about life, and and maybe read the Bible together. That would have been right. crazy, right?
0: Right, yeah. nuts. All right, so then walk me through where we are now, uh, or where we were then, to now where we are—a pressure washing pastor. Uh, give me the, the give me the mid story that got you to where you are today, and then I want to jump. I mean, into
1: there is a lot of different jobs you could have <laughs> picked, buddy. Like that's yeah. this. Is, uh, yeah. So yeah, tell tell us about that.
2: All right. So I I didn't land here overnight. It took time to get here. And so when I left ministry to pursue pressure washing, I was just trying to figure out a way to provide for my family. If I wasn't in ministry anymore, I'd gotten uh, for me. And when I share, I'm not painting everyone's picture. I'm just sharing my picture. Okay. Mm -hmm. I had gotten frustrated with growing the local pastor's, kingdom and culture and i felt like i wasn't making disciples i felt like i was doing a great job with programs and events and i loved people well and i and all you know all seven churches i've worked at seven churches I've worked at seven different lives and people i love every single one of them like christ loves me i mean this through the bottom of my heart so i never want to change anything but i felt like i was more like in their business rather than the kingdom business of being disi- being a disciple maker. And when you spend time in scripture, it sure would appear that the point of this whole conversation is to be and make disciples. And if that's not the, your walk away from reading scripture, I'd love to hear it, but that's my walk away. It's not go plant businesses that are set up to bring people in and structures but to go make disciples. And if that's through a church, so be it. If it's through a business, so be it. When I left ministry, I left my identity and I was broken. Yeah. I did not know who I was for about a year and a half. I visited three different church. I have six kids. I brought them with me and they were broken as well.
3: Yeah.
2: I kind of jacked up my family in the meantime because I was looking for a pastor to love me when I was no longer offering a service of a a student pastor. And I learned in ministry that if you don't serve a pastor, they don't have much time for you. At least that was my experience. And so I started serving at other churches, trying to just be loved and cared for because I wanted Jesus people near me. And I've realized I, I don't have that to give right now. I need time away. And so I ended up joining a a massive church where nobody knew me and I still go there today and absolutely love it. It's called Long Hollow in Hendersonville. It's a a beautiful place and I love watching people get baptized and they're doing an amazing job. But when I left uh, the church, I no longer had the title pastor anymore. My denomination took my ordination away because they said that if I didn't attend and their denomination, I w- would not be able to be ordained. And so they pulled that away um, after 22 years of doing everything that they want me to do. And I thought I was a good guy, but <laughs> if you don't attend their church, you're not. You know, and it's like, so they stripped that away. And so the identity of being a pastor left me. But here's the, here's the thing. I never changed who I was inside the church or outside the church. I was always the same person. So when I left ministry, I didn't I didn't leave who I was. I brought yeah. who I was with me, and that was normal. The reason that matters is because I joined a secular business group. They actually invited me into their group called the BBB. Yep. It stands for Bourbon, BS,
1: and Business.
2: It's I the thought largest... you were just a
0: better business. Yeah, oh, yeah, right, right.
1: <laughs> that's, <laughs> what? that's funny. You caught me off guard there. Yeah, we'll yeah. Keep going.
2: Yeah, I need to do a left hook here. And so <laughs> – they wanted to invest in my business um, or buy my business, but I didn't need an investor or a buyer. And I said, what I need is a salesman and God ended up giving us a salesman. He sold a million dollars in his first year inside the business.
1: I'd say and, you're a salesman. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a phenomenal sales guy and he's still with us. And now a shareholder inside of the company and helping us coach and open up other locations. Cause he is phenomenal. Mm. But when I, when I left, I never changed who I was. So when I was inside this group and for me, I don't drink bourbon and I don't, hopefully don't do too much. I, I want to tell the truth at all times, um, but I did want to learn business. And this was the largest gathering of seven figure business leaders uh, home service business guys in the country underneath one roof. And they ended up saying, Hey, you're the pressure washing pastor. <laughs> so the, the people on the outside of a secular, some Christian, some, some non. Ended up saying, you're the pressure washing pastor. I'm like, why are you labeling me pressure washing pastor? Whatever. I'll go with it. Well, last year, we did $1.8 million in pressure washing. Awesome. And I started thinking like, God, what do you want me to do with the rest of my time? He said, do for others what I've done for you and help other pastors or kingdom minded believers plant businesses that make disciples and serve the city. I've got the blueprint, the brand and the coaches to do it. And I'm like, okay, what should I call it? He says, open it up underneath the pressure washing pastor. And I'm like, is that branding? Am I trying to play on pastor term? And so I started reading books. There's a book called um, While Shepherds Watch Their Flock and it's 40 day devotional. Of what shepherds do in Bethlehem and so it helped me understand that wait a minute and this was you know some conversation we can get into but you know what a shepherd does it provides it protects Mm. it it kind of guides and leads it tells them hey don't eat that trash eat this good food that over here that's good for you and nourishes you Um, when it's in the wilderness it tries to make sure they don't get lost and forget what they're called to do and it's like everything that a shepherd does Mm. is what we're we're called to do inside of life like everything mm-hmm. like, whether it's our home, whether it is our business, whether it is inside the church we're all shepherds and we've all been given the ministry of reconciliation if we just spend some time mm-hmm. in scripture for all those that have been um, reconciled by the blood of Christ and brought into Um, a relationship with God. He's given us this ministry. Mm -hmm. Everyone that has been reconciled by the blood of Christ has been given this ministry of reconciling, Mm -hmm. of, of reconciling a world that is lost unto God. And is that limited to the walls of the church business? I don't think so. I think if anything, it opens up to say, listen, let's go into the marketplace and reconcile all things unto the glory of God is how I think.
0: That's cool. I love it, dude. So, so the mission of your organization, so, so you started a company, Brown's Pressure Washing, and the mission of your organization uh, is amazing, to build out the largest disciple-making home service network on the globe. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a normal pressure washing mission, <laughs> right? So uh, usually how, it's like to clean up yeah. clean your Des Moines, windows <laughs> Iowa or something, you know, <laughs> so how, how yeah. can businesses help make disciples because aren't business and ministry like supposed to be separate from one another?
2: Yeah. Who told you that?
0: I don't know. I feel like somebody out there, like, oh, the church isn't a business. Business isn't a church. There's two, two separate entities. How we oh, do things yeah. is different, right? Oh, so, that's
1: garbage.
0: Yeah. Walk me through that.
2: <laughs> hey, you know, when I was at Exponential, I went around just to meet the different vendors. It was my first time, which my booth was voted most interesting booth at Exponential, by the way.
1: <laughs> People were
2: literally just looking at it thinking, this is not children's curriculum. It's not... It's not audio equipment. Like, what's going on here? I don't
1: understand. Actually, I've got a question about that. Did you get interest when you were there? Because you had, like, by far the most unique booth. Like, nobody's going there saying, I wonder if I can find information on a pressure washing. Like, (laughs) So, like, did you get some genuine interest? We launched Houston, Texas as a result of Exponential.
2: And so... Um, if it wasn't for Exponential, we would not have a gentleman by the name of Aaron Little, who will be launching Brown's Pressure Wash in Houston, Texas. That's and, awesome. Yeah. So, so And then what I believe is that one day, I really do believe this, I think Exponential will have a series on ministry in the marketplace. Mm. And the sooner they get around to it, I think the, the better we'll all be for it. When Jesus gave his disciples an example of how to go out for the rest of their lives, he didn't say, hey, let me put on some really nice clothes and and teach you from a podium on what you're to do sure it actually says they took a basin he took out his outer garment gathered gathered his hands and knees and he started washing his disciples feet and then he gets up from the table and says do you understand what i've done for you today if your lord and savior has washed your feet you can go and wash other people's feet and we have too many pastors wanting their feet to be washed and not washing the people's feet around them and it's the same thing in business if we had some business leaders that stepped up and started loving and serving their community and their team it would change the way that the home service business would be rendered. And I'm going to prove it by, by first proving it through the pressure Washington pastor network. And then it's going to be the, as you go network, because Jesus just didn't say, as you go make uh, churches, he said, as you go make disciples, teaching mm. them to observe all the things. And lo, I'll be with you even to the ends of the age. That's what we're supposed to be about. And so I want to invite your audience and anyone that might be listening to consider opening up a home service based business that is run ran like if jesus was leading uh, your team what would that thing look like you know so, so i got a anyway. practical
1: question for you though so right okay. like a lot of pastors are not wealthy you can talk about that and i was you, a student pastor right
2: that's
1: what i'm saying you just basically got paid in mcdonald's gift cards at that point <laughs> uh so the question though it with knowing that that like you're probably looking at student pastor. Like a senior pastor is probably not going to be a power washer at this point. But who knows? Who knows? Okay, okay. But I'm saying like there's got to be expense to getting started to this, right? So you must have made it so it's not prohibitive. Uh, like, can you talk a little bit about that? You need you need three things to start a business: time, money,
2: and framework. Right. And if you, if you have a little bit of time, a little bit of money, a little bit of framework, you can go a long way. If you have a lot of one and not the others, the others can be coached and trained with the proper coaching and training. Okay. And, and so it depends on the, the framework of the individual. So it's not, not necessarily the resources that are la- lacking. It's this that's lacking. And so we have to think whether or not we have the ability to do good with God's help. And I think if we, if we believe that, I believe you can do a lot of good things. And, and what, what's happened is we think that pastors are, are not wanting to, you know, in my head, what vision do you have when you think of a pastor, you know, like what's in most people's mind when they think of pastor is someone that's teaching in the pulpit. But what if that's an ideology that we've walked away with? uh, That's not, but that's not exactly your question. You need time, money and framework to start a business. I started it with $7,000 and I gave up two things that I was currently doing. I stopped working out in the morning and I stopped playing video games at night. And voila, I've got an extra three to four hours a day that I can give to open up a side hustle. And then I might work one night a week or I might work on a Saturday, which Mm -hmm. I was doing already because I was a broke student pastor that had to work two or three jobs. I did Uber. I did pizza. Like If I wasn't That's what I was doing. I'm like, why would I? So let me tell you this. I went and watched a friend of mine, who owned a pressure washing company in Raleigh, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. He made $800 in four hours. You know how many pizzas I got to deliver to make $800 (laughs) cash? I mean, at least eight. (laughs) (laughs) You got to be keeping the money from the
1: pizzas to make that kind of money, (laughs) right? uh, Hey, real quick, did you? uh, How long did you do Uber for?
2: No, oh, maybe six months to a year. I have. It's not just awful. Too. Was that awful? I, like, I'm a missionary. You know, you're a missionary. You got, you got yeah. some conversation. I heard, in uh, Na- especially <laughs> in Nashville.
0: Oh yeah, talking about giving up video. I heard Johnny Cuff the other the other week talking. You know, the average person's you know watching. TV or on their devices for like four or five hours a day. So if you just do three hours, like you're going to crush this world. It's like the bar is, <laughs> yeah. uh, isn't not that, that big to like do well <laughs> in this world. But uh, you mentioned yeah. earlier something that was intriguing to me. You said if, if we ran our businesses, like Jesus would run our businesses. Like it's amazing what the world. So I, I'd love to know like what if, yeah, if Jesus were leading a business, what, what are some of the characteristics? Because I'm sure you're trying to implement that in what you're doing he'd
2: probably treat people like they were team members and not employees. And -hmm. so that might need to be a starting point. And, you know, even if you work for a church, sometimes you feel like an employee and not a, a, a team member. And so I would think if, if you were on Jesus's staff, he would treat you, he would serve you, man. He, He would show you how to treat the people around you. He modeled it for everyone to follow his example. Right. Yeah. And so when you see someone that's frustrated, how do they respond in their frustration? I think if you're a Jesus dude, if Jesus is in your ministry, he ends up showing you that, man, life is more than whether or not you got taken advantage of. And Mm -hmm. you you just go through the different principles of the things that take place in business. You get lied to. You get things stolen from you. You have people that say they're going to do one thing and do another. You got people in the community that will uh, threaten to sue you or that will call you up because they'll say, hey, you discolored, you got bleacher, blah, blah, blah underneath there. And it's like, how do you treat those people is an exact example of what you really serve and what you're really about. And when you're crucified, it's like you turn the other cheek, you bless those, like you you act like a Jesus business owner and I've chatted with, with others in the past about this. And they said, when I started business, they told me three things that's just keep out of my business. They said, keep, uh, you know, sex, money, I mean, politics and religion. Yeah. And it's like, who taught you that? Where are you, where are you learning this? Like, it wasn't Jesus, you know, because like if you follow him around. You see everything. You see how he deals and handles and carries it. And so I'd say this, if Jesus runs your business, you're transparent, you're treating people like they're better than you, not like they're below you. And so if you were to look at my organizational chart, the, I'm not up here and everyone else travels down. I'm the old root in the ground that's trying to give life and support to the fruit that's fallen, dropping in other cities so it can end up dying and giving fruit inside of other cities. Because the idea it's to reproduce what God has given you. And so I'm at the bottom trying to suck on the, the tree of life and trying to give birth to everything else. You know, so, so how many cities
1: are you currently in, Joshua?
2: So we just started. And this is a sad story, not a great story. And so we've got, I started with five and we're at three right now. Mm-hmm. The, the first two that I started, I did it with friends. I told them, mm-hmm. hey, once we get the agreement done, they're both pastors Um, then you can sign the license and pay the back uh, royalties. And after they, after I got done with it, they wouldn't sign and they're still pressure washing. And so I thought Mm -hmm. that if you treated people good, they would always treat you good, but they don't. Mm
3: -hmm. And,
2: and so we've got three others outside of Nashville, which is Houston, Birmingham, and Chattanooga. And, you know, we started basically this year. So I'm excited about it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So it's mean, right. not
1: awesome that they turn their back on you after you helped. Right. But yeah.
0: Well, and and obviously what you're doing is working. Like I, I looked up your, you know, your your local Browns pressure washing there in Tennessee, and it's amazing. You guys have 781 Google five-star reviews. And and I, when you look at the rating, like it's not 4.7 or 4.8 or 4.9, it is 5.0. So I, like, I've never
1: seen a business what, like yeah, that, what's ever. What's your secret? I do mean, you, is it
0: just be like you, Jesus and they give you five stars? Or do you just go back
1: and bribe them
0: for a five-star? <laughs>
1: no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
2: Yeah, if you want me to share my secrets, it was when I set up the business, I literally sat in a dark room thinking one question, what must I do to grow the business? And I came down with one goal, earn a five-star review. And so everything in our system has been around this one idea, how do you create such an experience for your customer that they are raving fans of who you are and what you do? And so our guys serve our, our, our clients. And so um, when you treat people well, create a good system, it's amazing what, what can take place. And that is just one Google location. We have four other Google locations yeah. and over 800 five-star reviews inside of Facebook. And so we're well over 2,000 five-star reviews in six years.
0: Crazy. I think that's amazing. And yeah. one of the things that I love about your company, obviously you try to embody Jesus, give them that, that experience. So they become raising fans, uh, raving fans. But one of the things you do is you donate 10% of your profits and, and you do that then to pressure wash for widows in, in your community. Um, walk me through why, why you do that. And some of the cool things you see from that.
2: Yeah, so June of last year, Josiah Lebeau, who was 17 when he started inside the company, he's now 22, is a business partner. And I married him to his wife, Kendall, Hmm. about a year and a half ago, which is such a beautiful story about being a pastor in the marketplace. Come on.
3: Come
2: on. Uh, Yeah, it's good stuff. And so um, he called me on a Saturday. And on the Saturday, I've run a lot, and I'm on a long run. And he says, I have a baby chicken, don't step on it. I said, <laughs> I said, okay. And for him, that means I've got an idea, don't squash it. And, <laughs> and, and so he's telling me that, he says, hey, I showed up at this lady's house and I asked her if I could clean the the wooden ramp leading up to her stairway, to her, yeah. to her front doors. And she said, no, we don't use those anymore. My husband passed away about a year ago.
3: Yeah,
2: and then he goes on to start cleaning it. And as he's cleaning it, he hears in the back of his voice in, in the back of his head, he says, give it away to her for free. And then he says, well, will Josh care if I give her a free housewife? And he's like, no, probably not. And so he goes to the door, knocks on her door and says, Mrs. Jones, she comes out. With dollar bills and change and goes out like this, like something you'd read in a Bible story Hmm. and and says, here you go. And he said, no, Mrs. Jones, um, this one's on us. She cried. He cried. They embraced and he said, "Josh, what if we wash this is a this is a 21 year old speaking. What if we wash every widow's house in Nashville for free and I immediately stepped on his chicken. I said, "We will go
1: out of <laughs> some chicken squashing <laughs>
2: yeah. going on there. I smashed it and I said, "What?" <laughs> I said, "We will go out of business trying to wash every you know how many widows there are in Nashville." Uh-huh. I said, like, we've got chemicals, we've got payroll, we've got houses, insurance, like there's all the equipment, like yeah, it's extensive to operate. And, and I said, but you know what, I'll chew on it. And so I let him go. And as I'm running, a quote that Andy Stanley said came into my head and it says, do for one what you wish you could do for everybody. Just because you can't clean every widow's house doesn't mean you can't clean one widow's house. And so I ended up calling them up and I said, hey, let's do one one a week. Uh, We'll we'll start cleaning. And so we started sharing that on Facebook. We did a um, Green Bay Packers commercial on a Monday night football game where I said, hey, Nashville, Josh here, we need your help. We're trying to wash every widow's house in Nashville. We got a ton of response. People came in, didn't didn't get a lot of uh, donations or financial support, but we had so many people. Reaching out to us and asking us if we would um, consider washing, uh, you know, Miss Jones, Miss Smith, or whatever. And so, over the past uh, 10 months now, we've washed, uh, I'm going to make up a number 150 widows' homes uh, as our team. And when we wash widows' homes, this one lady, I'm thinking of two or three different stories. One lady said, you know, watched our truck pull up. The guys get out. She comes out and says, I thought God forgot all about me. And then hmm. you guys came out.
3: Oh, um,
2: I want you to think about this too for a second. What kind of company do you want to work for?
3: Yeah. You know,
2: would you want to work for a company that takes care of, the people in the community and maybe we can't take care of every single buddy, but maybe every business can take care of somebody or Mm -hmm. certain demographic and our company. We don't have, we've never advertised on indeed on Facebook. Um, it's all relationship and it's people that are graduating with graduate degrees saying, yeah, I could have been a psychologist, but I Mm -hmm. think I want to be a part of what you're doing over there. Uh, yeah, I could have been a D one, you know, strength trainer, got graduated from Lipscomb this, this, this month said, I don't know what you guys do, (laughs) but watching you guys on Ultimate uh, Field, Thursday nights, Ultimate Frisbee, I I see the camaraderie. I see the community. I want to do whatever y'all are doing. Mm. And for whatever reason, when a community sees people that enjoy working together and doing things, they want to be a part of it. When you're cleaning people's houses, widows' houses for free, like you feel good on the inside. It's like you're serving people versus trying to be served all the time. There's something right about it. So
0: anyway. Yeah. I'm a huge supporter in what you're doing and, and love that you're bringing, bringing Christ into the the business field and into p- people's lives. I'm curious, like I'm sure some people get it and love it, you know, like us, but I'm sure you also catch some flack for what you're doing. I'm curious, does more flack come from the Christian space and, and like, what are you doing mixing church and business? Or does it come from the business space of, Hey, you can't mi- mix Jesus and business. Um, uh, Talk to me about that. Where, do, where does the flat come from? Or maybe it comes from every side. <laughs>
2: it comes from the booth that I visited when I was at Exponential, who I asked them about what they do and blah, blah, blah. And then they asked me what I do. And I said, you know, I'm you know encouraging pastors to open up and plant home service-based businesses. And he looks at me and says, I believe common day people Pew, that's the word he used. Common day pew people can run businesses, but not pastors. Hmm. And you know what he was selling? Masters of divinity. And I looked at him, I said, whatever you're teaching, it needs to be able to be applied to every culture group and every time period that we've had on this civilization. Because if it doesn't work in all people groups, in civilizations, you might be missing something. Hmm. And if you have to get a degree to go out and make disciples, or to shepherd, or to lead, or to guide, or to protect, or to let uh, to lend, lend a helping hand, um, I mean, I'm on a different planet. And you know, because, <laughs> and and this is where this is where the truth about the my booth at Exponential. Those who lived in other mission fields, they came right up to me and said, this is normal. Mm. Yeah, this is normal. The Westernized ideology that the paid professional vocational pastor is a guy who teach and exposit scripture might be more Westernized than we realize. Mm. Because if you go to the old Testament and new Testament, it sure would seem that most people had side hustles that gave them the ability
1: Tent maker, carpenter, maybe you've heard of it. (laughs) That's
0: great. And and that's why I love this podcast is we can, uh, you know, our goal is to challenge uh, people to be greater disciples and whatever they are. And sometimes it's just challenging our framework and our understanding that these two things can mix and there, there can be a beautiful, uh, beautiful stories that come out of it. of not only customers who are served well by a company that says it's going to do what it's going to do, which is indicative of the five-star reviews, but then goes above and beyond to, to love, honor, and trust their teammates, to hand over things perhaps earlier than than other yeah. um, owners might do to to, uh, to their employees. And so, I, I think what you're doing is awesome, man. Hey, so we ask every guest this question: that if you could challenge our listeners to be greater disciples uh, this week, like, what's one practical challenge you would want to issue to our audience?
3: Yeah.
2: That's- whatever you're pushing against the most inside of this conversation, go investigate it inside the scriptures. And so, you know, if you have a listener that's struggling on any of the ideologies of what we're sharing, just jump into the scriptures and spend some time studying what a shepherd is, what a pastor is um, and whether or not the the Bible would support this idea of um, ministry inside the marketplace as a beautiful place to go and make disciples. And if we're not doing that, what are we doing? So, um, you know, I'd also invite your listeners uh, on my website, pressurewashingpastor.com. You can book a, a call with me. You can literally scan it with your, your phone and you come directly to me and you can ask any question that you might have or chewing on. So I do envision a day and I know I'm going on left turn. I got a little bit of coffee in me, but, <laughs> uh, um, I, I do envision, man, that what would it look like if authentic, transparent, disciple-making believers started opening businesses and ran it like a ministry to create jobs, make disciples, and serve the city? It just seems like that's a no-brainer in my head.
0: Love it, dude. All right, so listeners, if you take on that challenge, let's hashtag Red Letter Disciple. And uh, yeah, I think it's super incredible. And and for those that are are looking to make a difference in the world and want to do it in a unique way i think josh is a great person josh was a great person to talk to all right
1: chris so wait i have a follow-up question you men- mentioned one of your employees is josiah do you have to have a biblical name before you can start a pressure washing service
2: <laughs> yeah we don't have employees we have team members, team and- members right. <laughs> yeah yeah and I'm sure in some way with Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek, everyone has a biblical
3: name.
1: <laughs> right. I just noticed your biggest producers are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I thought that was curious. Okay. Uh, Joshua, thank you so much. That was, uh, we've learned a lot today about uh, being a bivocational yeah. guy. Yeah. And so uh, the ga- we here at Red Letter Living, we customize a game show for all of our uh, participants on the podcast um and here's something that i just found Uh, i was going to go one way i was going to show you a robot that i've previously made but i don't want to make it about me um what i want
0: first for you to not make it about you by the way i
1: went to usa today (laughs) and i went to the weirdest jobs in every state now we're not going to do all 50 but i wanted to ask you and zach oh wow think back To the time where you were 22 years old, not now when you're a successful businessman, but you were hustling 22 years old. 22, that's a long time for you. Yeah, that's a long time. Uh, And just simply say, yes, I would probably take that weird job or no, and then maybe a sentence why you would or wouldn't. Okay. Weird jobs. Go ahead.
2: Are we thumbs up in it at the same time? Or are we alternating turns here? No,
1: I, I think it's fine to thumbs up, thumbs down. But it, this is also an audio podcast, so <laughs> make sure you say thumbs up, thumbs down. There, there you go. go. All right. Um, in Kansas, the weirdest job in the entire state is a dog fu- food tester. Let me let me describe. It says since dogs, I don't know if you know this, they can't actually talk. Humans are needed to make sure that there's nothing amiss. Before pet food is shipped to stores, Kansas is the largest producer of pet food in the country. And so the weirdest job in the state of uh, Kansas is dog food tester. We'll go to you first, Joshua. Joshua, what do you think? Back then when you were struggling, would you take or accept the job of dog food tester?
2: I donated my body to Duke University to run experiments on because I was a student pastor and needed to make money to provide for my family show me some dog
0: food pay me some money
1: let's go <laughs> <laughs> Zachary uh, Zach Zender what would you do it
0: I would do a lot of things uh, I wouldn't take this one Josh Josh I'm gonna give this one to Joshua all right so, all right yeah
1: all right Josh now I'm trying to find a job that Josh wouldn't do <laughs> wouldn't take. This all right I think I think you'd both take this one in Maine the absolute weirdest job is a worm digger. Maine is the only place in the United States where fishermen can get sandworms, a popular fish bait. Worm diggers sit search through the mud nine to five uh, all across Maine shoreline, picking up thousands of those creatures in a day. Zach, let's go to you. Would you be a worm digger in Maine?
0: I hate to... Poo poo on your little parade, but I all these are no, I wouldn't. I, I, you know, I want to work with people, I don't want to work with dogs and worms. Okay, okay,
1: fair, 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 fair. What do you think? How
0: how much does it pay? Well, it's a big piece of it, too. There's
1: three three things when it comes to starting a business. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I've learned that from you. No, what what do you think? Money and framework. That's it.
0: Time.
2: There's very little things I would do. If it's not immoral, I'm doing it. Let's okay, go. Okay. I have to do.
1: All right. I might have this is the final one. I think Joshua, I might have found the one. Josh, Josh, do you like swimming?
2: Um, I, I like it. are you afraid of like heights?
1: It. Are you afraid of heights?
2: It depends on how high we okay.
1: get. <laughs> What? Tell me your biggest fear, and then I'll find a job. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's that, really vulnerable. What, no, I'm saying it. my biggest fear is poisonous snakes. I live in Florida. I hate poisonous snakes. I. That's mine, too. Yeah. If, if
2: my two? greatest fear wasn't making an impact with my life and dying, right, right. it would probably be I hate snakes, man. Okay. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and throw snakes in there.
1: Snakes. Cam, what's your biggest fear? Cam, you back there? They're our producer. Sharks. Sharks? Mm. Hey, I got a state for you to come visit. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's do this one. In Florida, my home state, the weirdest job is – Rocket Recovery Technician. Let me explain. Elon Musk's SpaceX company currently has a job opening in Cape Canaveral for a recovery technician. What does that mean? It's someone who goes to retrieve the parts of the company's Falcon 9, the Falcon Heavy, and the Dragon Space Capsules that are detached during flight rocket recovery workers must be willing to work long hours at sea and climb to heights up to 300 feet. What do you think, Joshua? Would you be a rocket recovery technician for Elon Musk, SpaceX? You qualified
2: this with 22 year old Joshua. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's
1: true. Not, not current Joshua with a level head, you know? Yeah. At 22, there's
2: no doubt. Am I making like splashes in the? the, Am I attracting sharks on the way? Where I sound like a dead (laughs) fish? I mean, listen, it's up. I don't know. You know,
1: I'll call Elon, but I'm not. You know. I'm down with that. I think you can get teenagers to do it for free. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think,
0: Zach? Out of the three you've given me, I I, I would have some trepidation, but this would be the one I would choose out of the three. I'm
1: closing this. I'm doing my final one. Joshua, have you ever seen Deadliest Catch? I have. Yeah, that show is terrifying to me. Like that. I mean, you could literally – would you do one week on Deadliest Catch –
2: so one thing I left out earlier today is that I threw up on the, when I was catching the tuna in the yard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's a no. I finally found one. All I, right. I finally up. found there one. There
0: you go. I love it. Oh,
1: that. man, that was tough. All Even right. 21-year-old Joshua <laughs> wouldn't do deadliest <laughs> yeah, Joshua, All right, man, yeah, thanks
0: for what you're doing for the kingdom of God, for your local community, for serving the way you do. If people want to connect with you or anything, I think you mentioned pressurewashingpastor.com. Is that the best place to find you?
2: Yeah. If they're in Nashville or any of the cities that we've opened up a Browns, we'd love for them to support their local pressure washing pastor. But if you're anywhere in a, a growing city, I'd love to have a conversation about launching a Browns in your city. And so PressureWashingPastor.com is a place that you can have that conversation.
1: And if anybody's uh, around you right now while you're on vacation in North Carolina, you want to
0: give your address? They can. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, Joshua, thank you so much. That was a yeah. really intriguing interview.
0: do appreciate you and taking some time on your uh, family vacay. I hope you get back to catching some big fish and spending yeah. some good time with family. Exactly. God bless you, bud.
1: God
2: bless. Hey, honored. Thank you, guys.
0: Story. And I love just the the intentionality about using business and everyday marketplace to disciple people in this world. What, what a great example that is. So if you want to hear more uh, about Joshua and connect with him and any of the links or resources we share, check it out at redletterpodcast.com. That's also the place where I mentioned earlier where you can join the private Facebook group, Red Letter Leaders, where we have tons of great discussions with pastors and church leaders about discipleship in your church. I'm really pumped about next week's guest. We're bringing Brad Lominick onto the show. Brad is an incredible leadership expert and has a a wide and a, a large of not just work in this field, but, but people that he knows. <laughs> he's he's a real great, he's a real great connector. And actually, that's one of the things I talked to Brad about is what's the difference between connecting and networking. He's gonna also then talk to us about what three things every leader needs and how to also separate your calling from your assignment. Really cool conversation, fun conversation. It's happening next week on the Red Letter Disciple, so don't miss it. And the way to not miss it, I'm gonna say it one more time follow, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so that it automatically pops up. So with all that said, go be a great disciple of Jesus and we'll see you back for next week's episode of Red Letter Disciple. A Huda Media Production.